0: Everyone, welcome back into uh, Ecclesia in the new year. Uh, we are glad that you are here with us. We hope that your 2021 is starting off um, as better than 2020 was. <laughs> um, for the time being, we're meeting at a distance again. Um, I, I, know, uh, I, I personally don't have much of a choice. Our entire house is on lockdown because of COVID infection. Uh, although I, am, I have antibodies, which means I already had it and didn't know it at some point um, uh, recently. So uh, I'm, I'm free to walk about, uh, but the rest of the family is, is home for a couple weeks. And uh, we just want to make sure that we get past what this next bump is before we try to meet again in person. Even though, honestly, I really think we can very safely meet in person, given that we're a small group in a large room. So, uh, But we'll let you know when that time is coming. If you're joining us for the first time or don't know much about us uh, we are Ekklesia, Hattiesburg. Um, Ecclesia is actually a Greek word. Any place in the New Testament in your Bible where you see the word church in English, that's translated from uh, the Greek word Ekklesia, which means the called out ones. And so uh, we have taken that as our name, uh, even though it's really hard to spell and really bad marketing, uh, but it represents what we believe about um, church, which is that we are called out to go and to do and to be something in this world, um, to to make this world better than, uh, than it was when we found it. So um, that's what we spend most of our time and energy and money doing. And you are always welcome to join us at a distance and hopefully we can get, get everyone vaccinated and get back together in person and get to um, sweating next to each other and doing the kind of the the good work that we like to do uh, at Ecclesia. Um, So um, this week, we are uh, starting the new year, of course, and we are in, um, the gospel of mark next week i think we go into john but we'll be in mark for a good bit of the year after that and um man this is one of those weeks where as a as a pastor you are trying to figure out like um you know you feel like you've got to speak towards the things that happened this week this was a this was a this is one of those where were you win kind of things this week right um I, I certainly never thought i'd see the kind of scenes that i witnessed on my television and um i just had such a visceral reaction to it um and it's um it was jarring it was tough to watch and so um as a, as a pastor you always want to uh do justice to the scriptures in front of you and not um have a message in search of a verse Um, And as I studied this week on uh, this passage out of the very beginning of Mark, we're starting off the gospel this week. um, I actually think there's something here that fits really well. And so uh, hopefully uh, you'll be with me on this. Um, Today's scripture is one of those thin places in the Bible. That is where heaven and earth are meeting, right? In fact, the scripture here talks about the heavens being torn open. And, um, and we we're talking uh, from the very beginning of Mark. Uh, the gospel writer thought this was the way to start everything, which is uh, meaningful and speak something. And it's about Jesus' you know, public baptism. Um, he, he takes John's baptism of repentance and the heavens open up above him. And uh, on a larger, kind of more theological scale, you may be wondering, why is Jesus taking John's baptism of repentance? Does Jesus need to repent? I thought he was sinless um all those kind of things i'm not really honestly going to get into that today because that's just not the point of what we're going to talk about i'm going to assume that this is intended to be instructive towards us and i think that's a fair assumption um that if these elements and these things were important or necessary or at least modeled even if they were necessary for jesus they were modeled by jesus uh to begin his public ministry then certainly it's important for us to consider them as well um and uh i'm going to talk about three teen, three things today and uh they all start with the same letter again this happened a couple times in the last couple months and i sorry for all the alliteration It wasn't intentional i'm not trying to write sermons that do that but it just worked this way and i want to talk to us to us about um about repentance about receiving and about rooting and um yeah sorry they all start with the same letter but um After this week, I think we need a good bit of all of that. So um, Mark 1, and I'm going to cover uh, verses 4 through 13. It says this. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And as he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. It should be no surprise to us that the path to God bridging the distance between heaven and earth to tearing the skies open, that that path starts with repentance. And when I talk repentance, we're talking about turning from one thing to the other, but we're also talking about essentially about um, about telling the truth about ourselves, right? For most going out to John uh, in in the river, uh, in the Jordan River, uh, it is about confession of sin telling the ugly truths about what they have done. Maybe it looked a little different for Jesus. Maybe Jesus didn't have any sin to confess. Maybe he's just telling the truth about who he is and what his calling is and his need for God's grace to accomplish it because it's going to end at the cross and all these things. I'm not sure exactly what repentance meant for Jesus. I don't know that that's a question that we need to answer. But at the end of the day, repentance is the telling of a truth about ourselves. good bad and ugly telling the truth and this telling the truth about ourselves this posture of repentance i think is maybe the most rare and needed posture in the world today right we don't do repentance and we don't allow other people to do it either we're trained to act like we know it all. We're trained to curate our own lives and put it out in front of people like we've got it all together. We are trained to not have a humble posture of repentance, to confess when we are wrong, to own when we have messed up. We're trained to act like we know it all and to stand in our truth. We are trained to dig in and fight for what we know. All right and you never ever admit you were wrong, right? Maybe you say you're sorry that, uh, you know, I'm sorry if what I said or what I did made you feel bad, which is not a real apology, Um, but we never really confess. We don't do repentance. And especially when someone else is caught or called out, especially if it's someone that we don't like that much, but even sometimes the heroes we have, we celebrate it on some level. We get a kick out of it, right? We don't allow repentance for those who've been called out or caught. We celebrate, we cancel them, uh, we experience the, the schadenfreude of it, right? We mark them off the list, we send them to the dustbin, and we bask in their lack of opportunity for redemption. It makes us feel good about ourselves. <laughs> we are not repentance people. We are a culture without a sense of confession, without a sense of repentance for ourselves or for others, particularly our enemies. And what happens to a culture, what happens to a world that is built, um, where there is no repentance, where, where humility and confession don't have a space. What happens in a culture like that? You're looking at it, right? I'd argue when you have a culture that doesn't create space for those things, you end up with this dumpster fire that we've all been living in. There might not be anything we need more in our fractured, polarized, nasty, entitled culture than to recapture the Christian practice of repentance and grace. I mean, we need repentance in this country right now. To humbly tell the truth about ourselves and to give other people the grace to do the same. We need some I was wrongs. We need some I am sorry's. We need some something is not right and I'm a part of it. We need some repentance. And we not only need to repent, but we need to believe that absolution, you know, can be made, that 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 forgiveness is possible, that redemption is possible, that someone can move beyond the mistakes they've made. I'm getting ready to quote someone I've never quoted in a sermon before. One of the heads of one of the Southern Baptist seminaries in Kentucky. Uh, I don't know him personally. I've never met him personally. Uh, there's a guy named Al Moller. Um. But it's safe to say um, that he and I disagree on almost everything. Um, I'm not questioning his sincerity, not questioning his faith. Uh, I'm not questioning the fact that I might be wrong about most of the things we disagree with. Certainly it's possible. But I know that I rarely read anything that he puts out publicly that I agree with. We just see the world, we see theology, we see politics um, very differently. Um, and and hence he's never made a quote in one of my sermons, but he was interviewed this week about uh, evangelical Christianity because he's kind of one of the representatives, whatever that means, and their support of the current administration given what ended up happening this week. And he and he said here's some quotes I've strung together from that from that article that I I was very impressed to read. I'm glad to see it. He said, "Quote." we are undoubtedly in an agonizing moment in which evangelical Christians who supported Donald Trump now find ourselves in the position of being tremendously embarrassed by this most recent behavior. Later, he says, there is no excuse whatsoever for unleashing what amounts to a destructive rage on the nation. Later, he says, I honestly don't know the extent to which history will record the evangelicals. And then he finishes with this, where we find ourselves in the wrong repentance is always called for where we find ourselves in the wrong repentance is always called for now i don't agree with moeller on much but that last sentence is an entirely orthodox and appropriate christian response where we find ourselves in the wrong repentance is always called for it hurts we don't want to do it it uh, it makes us question everything, right? We're, it, 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 there's nothing worse than having to own it in front of everyone. But where we find ourselves in the wrong, repentance is always called for. But it isn't, it's, it's just so hard to do. It's so hard to actually do, isn't it? I mean, did you see some of the speeches that night, uh, late in the night when they, when they got back into the Capitol and started to uh, work on the votes for the Electoral College? Did you see some of the, some of the speeches? Did you see the look on the face of just the pain on their look of some of the politicians as they changed their mind or quasi-repented following that, the Capitol siege? Uh, there were people who were talking like there was daggers in their throat to say no to what they had previously said yes to or to no longer endorse what they did endorse before. And I, and I was watching it and my first impulse, my first compulsion again was that kind of schadenfreude was that like I, I was getting some joy out of watching them squirm. I, I wanted to see them kind of really get theirs in front of everyone and really eat crow in front of everyone. And I wanted to say, sorry, too late. Because as hard as it is for me to repent myself, it is so much harder for me to give that opportunity to those that I disagree with or don't care for. And I felt like we could have seen this a long ways off. I felt like we knew this was coming and I, and I wanted my pound of flesh, right? It's hard to give that space for repentance to someone else. And I hope, I hope what we saw was genuine repentance from those who who gave it. Some just doubled down, which is our culture's playbook right now. I hope what we saw was genuine repentance. And I hope for all of us that we can begin to once again immerse ourselves in the practice of repentance, of humbly telling the truth about ourselves. Because when we do, something beautiful happens, right? The scriptures says, He saw heaven being torn open. I love that for just torn open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. After repentance, heaven tears open. Heaven and earth meet. After repentance, heaven tears open, and we receive what we have most wanted and needed all along the unconditional love and acceptance of our Creator. Through humble repentance, we are finally able to take in what has always been true about us, which is that we, as the broken people we are, as the scared and angry and unkind and needy little people that we are, are beloved by our Creator, are the beloved children of God, that the deepest desire of each of our hearts to be unconditionally accepted as we are has always been there. And that realization, that that true acceptance and embodiment of that truth will always be found on the other side of honesty, humility, contrition, repentance. Scripture says, humble yourself and you will be lifted up. And after you have repented and you have received what you most deeply need, then you can head to the wilderness. Then you can face this world and its temptation rooted in the unconditional love of God. You can be rooted in that which does not require you to be right about everything, winning at everything, or even competing with anyone at all. Rooted in the grace that comes from the repentance that we have just given. And we, when we are rooted in, in the love that comes from repentance and that love we have received, we can face the temptations of this broken world. We need this so badly right now. And if Christians are not going to be the ones to do it, who will? If Christians are just going to double down on the untruths, if they're just going to double down on their uh, commitment to politics above people, if they're just going to double down on all the same junk, where are we going to go? Where is the hope in this culture if Christians aren't the ones that model this? We need this so badly. I need this so badly. I'm not just looking at, at those I disagree with and saying, you need to do this. I need this badly. So, you know, I I repent. I repent. I, I confess that I have let the nastiness of our politics in the last few years occupy too much of my soul. I confess that I have let it affect the love I have for God's other beloved children. I confess that I have located too much blame outside of myself and too much hope outside of Christ. I confess that I often know I am right about things that I can't possibly really know. I confess that the desert has often gotten the best of me (coughs) because I have been too proud to repent and too vindictive to give others a chance. And that's the truth about who I am. And so I repent. I repent and I own that truth because it is not the last truth. It does not get the last word Because what has always been true is I am God's beloved child. God is well pleased with me. God loves me as I am and could not love me any more or any less than God already does. And I can root myself in that good news that I have received. And I'll commit to do my part to give others the same grace. to humbly repent, to receive the good news, and to root myself in that good news so that maybe I can help extinguish some of the flames in this dumpster we've been living in. Tell the truth about yourself. Accept the truth of who God says you are. Root yourself in God's unconditional love and grace. We know what happens without repentance. Let's see what happens with it. Peace be with you. Love you guys. Hope to get to see you in person again soon.